You're listening to Cannabis Health Radio. Here are your hosts, Ian Jessup and Corey Yelland. Welcome to another edition of Cannabis Health Radio. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Yelland. Early in her career, she started out as a gardener in Southern California and then moved on to become a news producer, writer, photographer, and a cannabis evangelist. She has also cleared herself of breast cancer using cannabis. And joining us from California is Sharon Letts. Sharon, good to talk to you. Thank you. Hi. Hi, Corey. Hi, Ian. Happy to be here. Hi. Sharon, you've had an interesting uh, life journey. Take us through some of your careers. Well, yes, you know, I was, uh, I grew up on the beach in Southern California, um, 60s and 70s, no stranger to drugs and alcohol. At 16, I smoked my first joint on the way to school. I went to Redondo High, Redondo Beach, California, and I smoked my first joint on the way to school. And prior to that, I just wasn't considered very bright. Um, I had been tested somewhat and they said I would always have to work very hard to be average, which was kind of a sad thing to know what, feel about yourself. So when I, I smoked that first joint on the way to school when I was 16, 1975. That day in school, I had clarity for the first time. I went on to be published as a poet at 19. I started my own business as a gardener at 24. Um, one thing led to another. I was doing a, a producing and hosting a gardening show for local access in Southern California. And then, you know, went into mainstream um, documentary and magazine shows as a field and segment producer and a producer in Los Angeles. Nine years ago, I was brought up to Humboldt County to produce a news show. And if Canadians are familiar with the Humboldt brand, um, that's where the cannabis, you know, is is grown. It's the cannabis capital of the world, pretty much. It's where a lot of the strains were developed. But I was there in media. And about four years ago, five years ago, about the same time that Corey discovered cannabis for her cancer, um, I presented with lobular carcinoma. That's the spiderweb mass, not to be confused with a tumor or a, that could be confused with a cyst. It was a mass. It's pretty bad. Only 10 to 15% of all women get it. And um, it usually takes surgery, chemo, radiation. My sister had it a couple years prior and nearly killed her, the treatments alone. So anyway, because I was in Humboldt, a medicine maker said, here, use this. This works. We've been doing this for years. But, you know, it's all covert under the radar. So I, I ingested the cannabis oil. Actually, first I started ingesting leaf and juicing leaf prior to the bi- first biopsy. And I didn't even have the oil yet. And when the first biopsy came around, part of the mass was gone. So that was a shocker. And then I, I bartered with my oncologist because he was just as surprised as I was um, for another six to eight weeks and did the oil. And then it was pretty much all gone and he didn't even know where to do the biopsy. And if I can just say real quickly, and I'll let you ask me some more questions because I was not officially diagnosed. I I've been criticized and that's why I say it wasn't a tumor. You can, um, confuse with a, a cyst or anything. This was the spider web mass that showed up both in the mammal and the ultrasound. Because I was never diagnosed, I'm now part of a 30-year study with the American Cancer Society on prevention. Because everyone in my family on my mom's side has dealt with or died of cancer because 
they were using DDT and, you know, other chemicals on the farm for decades. Yeah. Sharon, when you said you were criticized, criticized by whom? Oh, many, many people, even cannabis advocates say, well, if you didn't have a diagnosis, you can't really say you were. it was put into remission. And early on, people were saying you were cured. Even in some of the headlines of some of the essays I wrote early on, editors used the word cure. I've really never used the word cure. I always say remission because I think as a species, we're just pretty much poisoned for a very long time. And it's in our stem cells, you know. How did your sister react to the the chemotherapy treatment that she underwent? Oh, well, you know, like anything else, you know, we all see the horror stories. I mean, the hair loss and sickness and, you know, she, uh, yeah, she had a really hard time of it. It was a two, three year process. Mine was gone in two and a half months. And all I did really was sleep a lot. How did she react to you using cannabis oil? She was one of the ones that said without a diagnosis, you can't really say that this is how it worked. Definitely so, (laughs) which is really, you know, it's just the way it is. The stigma is greater than the truth right now. And so because I already had a voice in media, I immediately began spinning out, you know, my essays to mainstream like AP and all that. No one wanted it. You know, everyone rejected it. So I started writing initially for High Times. And then, you know, I've written for pretty much every weed magazine there is around the world right now. I'm I'm published globally and not just with my own essays. I mean, I write in AP style. I'm a features writer. So I've been doing, you know, patient profiles. And um, with Dope Magazine, I did a road trip for three years covering six states and three countries. You know, I've, I've seen both sides of legalization. I've, I've interviewed many patients. Um, I've seen, just as Corey has posted every day, her dealings and seeing people in remission, not just from cannabis, but with really major ailments. And this is something we see in our world, you know, all the time. But I call it for us in the cannabis community, I call it the green bubble. Because, you know, if you go to mainstream sites and start posting anything, trying to tell people, they'll, you're crazy. You're immediately crazy. You're a conspiracy theorist. The stigma is greater than the truth right now. It's slowly starting to change, but it's still, you know, the stigma is very powerful. 40-year stigma is very powerful. Yeah, I know when I was in uh, commercial radio doing a talk show and I interviewed Corey once a month, it was commercial radio and uh, actually the mainstream media is very opposed to any sort of alternative treatment other than the conventional treatment. Oh, yeah. And and the thing is, it's not just cannabis. That's my hashtag, not just cannabis, because plants have been demonized. I mean, you know, any alternative treatment, we're not supposed to say it heals. Chamomile, I've found, has a 93% success rate in putting cancer into remission. I've written about this extensively, and um, it's very calming. It almost mimics CBD, and, you know, it's only $2 an ounce. And, you know, but it's if you look up on WebMD chamomile, the only thing they say is it's people have horrible allergic reactions to it. It's just what it is right now. Plants are demonized. You know, the synthetic industry is, is huge. It's a monster. Well, as with anything else in mainstream media, all you have to do is just follow the money. Yeah. And uh, then, then, yeah. you, then you realize that anything oh. which doesn't bring the pharmaceutical industry money, alcohol yeah. industry money, then it's going to be demonized. Well, the thing is, I, you know, I was in mainstream media, so I've developed shows before, and I've, I've been developing intelligent shows on cannabis to pitch to, to mainstream media to, you know, for networking cable. And I've been told by people pretty high up in the industry that the sponsors are calling the shots. 
And this is why everyone's looking to California right now to legalize, because that's where the entertainment industry is. You know, we're, we're sandwiched between Canada and Mexico. Everyone's kind of poised and waiting to see what we do. If it's legalized, my, my, my educated guess is that we're going to see more shows on cannabis. Um, so that's what I'm doing now. I'm developing um, some things. But we'll just see how much we can say, you know. The Denver Post, the cannabis, their Q&A column, I mean, she, you know, barely touches on the medicinal sides of what this plant can do because they're a mainstream outlet and they can't talk about anecdotal stories. And anecdotal stories are all we have right now. Anecdotal stories are all I've written about. So I'm kind of in this blurred area in between reality and fiction where cannabis is concerned. Sharon, when you talk to people within uh, the cannabis industry and also in the medical community, do they ever say to you, well, I, it may have some medicinal value, but mm-hmm. there aren't enough studies undertaken to determine that? Well, you know what? I would not, and Corey's with me on this one, I know. Corey and I would not have wanted to be in a blind study where we don't know if we're really getting the cannabis or not. I want the friggin' cannabis. You know what I'm saying? We... We in the in, we in the cannabis community, we in the cannabis space, already know the healing happening. We already know. We're waiting for legislation to catch up. Well, I think both you and I have seen so many cases. Unbelievable. And Corey, you know, I I, I actually literally cried to Corey one day. Wasn't I bawling, Corey? Yeah. That yes, you I were. Told, you know, even people in the cannabis industry have said to me, "Well, you know, I really don't believe." I don't believe that this, and this is the key word, believe. What what are your beliefs based on? And this is what I've been, I mean, I think I even posted something like this yesterday on my wall. What are your beliefs based on? Because when you've been spun for 40, 50 years, you don't know what the hell to think. Honestly, you really don't know. And so, you know, unless you've been touched by this plant unless you've been healed or you have family members that have been healed or people close to you you will be a skeptic because we've been told forever we're still being told by politicians right now it's interesting that if the medicinal value of cannabis was found in kale would kale be would kale be barred from being sold in in stores well, you know, the thing is, I've already said um, just a little bit ago, chamomile has a 93% mm-hmm. success rate. I have a cancer on my forehead that was kind of getting tolerant to the THC, and that's a whole other conversation. And I started using a strong chamomile oil made in the same way as I would the RSO, the Rick Simpson oil. And three tumors have already pushed out of my forehead. Oregano and thyme have 97% success rate. And the percentages I'm giving you are from studies. I mean, people say there are enough studies. People don't read anymore. If you go on to the National Institute of Health website, mm-hmm. you'll see studies published, papers published from physicians and scientists and researchers all over the world on this stuff. But people don't know. They just don't know. Well, I think- I think, Sharon, you know, you really touched on a point there. People don't read anymore. We did an interview uh, with a woman living on in the eastern states who uh, had a baby with retinoblastoma, and she was talking about the fact that people need to do their research. People need to get out there and take responsibility for their health. And a lot of people don't. A lot of people don't. Well, because, people, And it's not their fault. They're conditioned to. We have been conditioned. 
We've been conditioned to, to act as if the physician is God. The pharmaceutical companies, you know, they, they teach the physician, use this pill, use that pill. We've gone so far from the garden. I mean, and it wasn't that long ago we were in the garden. It's only the early 40s this all started with the um, patenting. The first patent of a petroleum byproduct, which started the pharmaceutical industry. I don't know if anyone's aware of that anymore these days. The first petroleum byproduct um, patented by DuPont in 1942 was nylon, you know, so women could wear hose. It was all in vanity. And now look where we are with plastics today. But that really did spawn the pharmaceutical industry. There was a book written in 1949 called The Medicine Story. And, oh, I'm, I'm blanking on the guy's name. He couldn't even get it published. He was sending it out mail order at that time, and it was warning people of the synthetic petroleum byproducts that they were putting in medicine now and not using plants anymore. And, you know, when morphine was put on the market, it was it was put on the market when cannabis oil was already being used very successfully in treating pain, especially during operations and surgeries. And when the hypodermic needle was invented, cannabis at that time, the oil was not water soluble. They hadn't figured out yet how to make it water soluble. Morphine was water soluble. The Sears and Roebuck company started selling the syringes in their catalogs and people started choosing morphine over cannabis oil. And I found letters from doctors at that time saying, begging people, no, please don't replace cannabis oil with morphine because cannabis isn't addictive. People are still alert when they take it. They're not zombies like on morphine, et cetera, et cetera. So it's not like this news is all just happening now. It's just been pushed down for a very long time. Sharon, are you... Are you Morris Beale, I have to say, the drug story ah. by Morris Beale. And you can buy it on Amazon, and it's a very good read. Yeah. Sharon, are you familiar um, or aware that there's now studies out there uh, questioning whether or not morphine actually increases cancer? That's curious. Yeah. That's very curious. Yeah, because almost every patient, cancer patient, is on morphine at some point. And the thing is, morphine... It shuts everything down. It stops things, even good things in your body from happening. It, it really hinders your immune system. Why would you take a painkiller during a cancer procedure that will hinder your immune system? Sharon, take us through some of the stories that you've been told in your travels with discussions with people who have taken cannabis, cannabis oil. Well, my favorite trip I did, I've done, you know, as I said, I've covered six states. I've I've been all over the place with this. My favorite trip last summer was with my little vintage trailer, um, and I went down the coast of California, and I only stopped in senior centers, senior centers, senior communities. Um, I stopped at a rest home that deals with dementia, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's patients. And what I found is that the seniors are more open to this than we think. When I was at the uh, Laguna Woods community center. It's a huge um, incorporated now. It's a city incorporated. There's hundreds and hundreds, thousands of residents there. They're all seniors. They have their own cannabis club. And um, I went to one of their monthly meetings, which there was only over 200 people just at the monthly meeting. And I interviewed an 85-year-old woman, and she said, I, I asked her, you know, how has cannabis helped her? And she said, well, the first thing to go was the uh, sleeping pills and the painkillers. 
And I said, well, what do you want to do next? And she goes, well, I've heard about the strong oil. Now, she she got off of all that stuff just by using tincture, you know. But I said, what about the strong oil, you know, that you're talking about? And she said, well, I think I'm going to try and see if I can make my diabetes go away. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, uh, it's just enlightening. It's really enlightening to actually go out there on the road and, and talk to people who are actively using cannabis as medicine and then look at all the, the ignorance out there. It's hard. It's been frustrating, actually, for me. Yeah, I was reading a story a couple of weeks ago about uh, the number of seniors who are becoming interested in cannabis, and I think it's because as you get older, the pa- aches and pains and the ailments of, uh, of the years have taken their toll, and they don't want to be on uh, pharmaceutical medication for the rest of their lives because of the they side effects of it. Yeah, they don't want to sit there and drool in a, willing, a wheelchair. And that's what was happening at this um, nursing home with, in Santa Rosa. I went to Primrose Nursing Center. The, only the patients whose doctors and family were on board could actually take the cannabis. They were giving it to them in chocolate after their meal at the end of the day. And the patients who were on, and they were only given 15 milligram doses. And the patients who were on that were less aggressive, less agitated. They slept better through the night. They were easier to control. Now, I, I heard a story on Facebook one time. This woman was giving the oil, the stronger oil, to her father or something in a nursing home. And on the sly, she was giving it to him every night just to see what would happen. He was way into dementia and being cared for. And she said in two and a half weeks, he started coming back to the point where the center said he no longer qualifies. Now, the thing is, we're, we're not just talking about aches and pains. We're talking about chronic inflammation throughout our whole body and every system we have uh, brought on by decades of empty foods, toxins in our environment, bad water quality, bad air quality. There's a myriad reasons why we are slowly poisoned. And a study just came out a little while ago showing that uh, the real reason for dementia, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, all these neurologically based problems stem from inflammation, chronic inflammation throughout our bodies, in our brains. And plant-based medicine, not just cannabis, whole foods diets, clean diets, and a lot of herbs and vegetables and fruits reduces inflammation in our body. So when we were growing up and they said, eat your fruits and vegetables, it, it really was a matter of life and death. But we just, you know, we didn't know that. And then we've slowly just had all these empty foods to the point where people aren't getting real nutrients every day. And even if you take a multivitamin, it's not enough. Even vegans and vegetarians need plant concentrates now to overcome this this toxicity we have in our body. Even Bob Melamed, who we talked to on this program uh, a couple of weeks ago, is a microbiologist and uh, very, very knowledgeable with respect to cannabis. He said most doctors know absolutely nothing about the endocannabinoid system within the body. My doctor didn't. I'm sorry to interrupt you. No, that's okay. Go ahead. Yeah, my, my doctor learned by watching me, because here I was, I was on 10 prescription meds when the cancer came. So the cancer, the breast cancer was a godsend, because I was on 10 prescription meds with thyroid and menopause. Thyroid disease with menopause is an epidemic in the boomer generation. Um, thyroid is totally an environmental issue. It's depleted by all kinds of toxins, um, let alone fluoride and water depletes your thyroid system. So going into menopause as a thyroid patient, which 50% of all women just in the United States, it's probably the same up in Canada, 
our thyroid patients is a double hormonal whammy and we are suffering greatly and so i was suffering and they keep adding pills i mean they the synthroid stopped working so they added something called cytomel which was which was like speed because the warning label said not to be used as a weight loss and so i was like oh my god so i became manic so then they added a bottle of valium and this is all documented in essays you can find online on my cancer story but they added valium so i was just really sick and i was overweight and i couldn't sleep and i had so many digestive issues and i had chronic pain and a bad knee so you know when i interviewed that 85 year old lady that said painkillers and sleeping pills were the first to go i totally related because the night i took the oil i didn't need the sleeping pill the next day i didn't need the painkiller in about 2 to 3 weeks i was off of all 10 prescription meds The last thing to go was nitroglycerin under my tongue for a uh, horrible angina that's part of the the thyroid, you know, symptoms of digestion and everything. And one night I was laying in bed and got it in the middle of the night and it feels like you're going to have a heart attack. And I didn't have my nitro with me. I had it in my in my purse. I had tincture on my bedside. So I took just a few, you know, half a dropper of the cannabis tincture and it went away better and faster. I felt I didn't feel queasy and sick afterwards like I would have with the nitro. So that was the last prescription med I got I got rid of. My so my doctor, I'm sorry, I'm trailing, but my doctor learned by watching me. Oh my god, you don't need the sleeping pill anymore, you don't need the painkiller. She she watched all these prescription meds that she had been giving me for a few years go away. So I was able to teach her and she was a physician in Humboldt County. But that didn't matter it didn't matter where she was in the world you know patients would come in and they were probably cannabis patients but didn't know it but she never felt comfortable to talk to them about it and now that she knows now she feels comfortable if someone brings it up she'll say oh yeah you know i watched that firsthand listening to all of your symptoms you were in a hell of a mess i was really sick i was you know i'm 57 now that was 5 years ago 52 years old I was probably in the right place at 52 ten prescription meds an American woman that's about right <laughs> That's a sad statement though Right right Sad state of affairs And if I hadn't gotten the breast cancer stay on that track Lord knows where I'd be cuz I was so sick I was I was really suicidal and that's another thyroid symptom Most people don't realize thyroid disease has up to 85 symptoms that can come and go it's horrific Menopause has up to 35. Put the two together, you're an emotional wreck. You're 100%. You know, people, make, people make fun of of women, you know, in older age being neurotic or whatever. This is physiological people, you know. This is physiological. And one of my favorite essays you can Google is called Cannabis Calming the Crazy Bitch because it really did help me emotionally like it really did help calm me down. What a great title. Yeah, I like that. So are you still I want to know if you're still crazy though, Sharon. Um in our family we call it eccentric. eccentric. But, you know, I'm, I'm an artist, I'm a writer, you know, I think outside the box. Cannabis actually opens the neuron pathways in your brain that open your third eye and allow you to see truth and allow you to be open to things that's a that's something i've i've read about lately Sharon California has had legal medical marijuana for 20 years how has the medical community adopted this treatment For all those years everyone said it was a farce that people were only doing it to get stoned it wasn't really medicine It actually wasn't really till Sanjay Gupta came out with his first documentary called Weed on CNN where he profiled 
what was happening in Colorado with Charlotte's Web for Charlotte Fiji. That was really when the world, I mean, Sanjay did us a huge favor. Now, ironically, the study I found on chamomile and all its miraculous benefits was co-authored by Sanjay Gupta in 1993. So he, you know, he really knows more than we think. Um, I'm eternally grateful for him for convincing CNN to let him do that story. And he did two more subsequently. But yeah. I think that's really when I think that's really when the world found out about it. You know, that's when it really hit home. That's what I was going to say. I, I think that's when the world stood up and started paying attention. Yeah. Yeah. He, he was my redeemer. That's for sure. He also said that 19 people die every day in the United States from pharmaceutical drugs, but nobody has died from cannabis or marijuana. Right. And the interesting fact on that is 85% of the world's painkillers are consumed in the United States. We are a heavily marketed society. The United States is heavily marketed. Well, you just have to listen to the watch the news programs on uh, American television to see all the pharmaceutical advertising that's on there. It's astounding. Yeah, and, and as I said earlier, you know, I've, I've been told by someone way high up in the television industry that the sponsors are calling the shot for intelligent cannabis shows on medicine. You're more, you will be more likely to see a reality show on stoners or a sitcom on stoners than you will a documentary profiling um, patients healing like Sanjay's show. I mean, I'm hoping to get there one day. You know, I am developing them right now, the shows. So we'll, you know, we'll just have to see what happens. Go into that a a little further, what you're developing with respect to cannabis. Um, When I say intelligent shows on cannabis, I mean, picture a magazine or a documentary show profiling like a day in the life of someone who lives um, every day and deals with plant-based medicines, not just cannabis. Because the cannabis space has opened up a lot of people's eyes to other plants. I mean, we've had our herbalists and all that for decades, but even they were only using herbal tinctures to remedy symptoms of things. We haven't really seen things being put into remission the way we have in in the cannabis space. The shows I'm developing don't deal just with cannabis. They deal with chamomile and and living a a cleaner life, knowing every you know realizing every day that what you put into your body, all that crap that you're eating that everyone eats every single day is actually helping the cancer and helping the inflammation and the toxins in your body build so that you start having cardio issues and, you know, neurological issues with inflammation on the brain and strokes. And Sharon, do you ever think there will be a time in the United States when the federal American government legalizes cannabis? I don't know. Um, I really don't. I mean, in the WikiLeaks emails that just came out, even Hillary was, you know, one of her speeches to the financial world um, said that she's absolutely 100% against legalization. So that that really made me sad to hear. Um, And that wasn't, and she didn't, she hasn't said that to the public. The most she has said is if the, you know, we will let the states do what they want. Well, Obama said that too. That was his whole message when he campaigned both times was we'll let the states do what they want. But that's not true. People are still being put in prison. Um, medical entities in California have, were raided by the hundreds during Obama's reign. So I don't know. I mean, 
I don't know. I really don't. It's a good question. And and then there are also all kinds of theories out there that I'm not even going to go into because people think I'm crazy enough as it is in the cannabis space uh, for cannabis. But there are all kinds of political reasons out there. There's lots of political reasons because the pharmaceutical industry uh, is donates to federal politicians extensively. Right. Well, the interesting thing about that, though, there was about there was a conference about five years ago in Chicago and um, where pharmaceutical industry people actually said, take it off schedule one. We want to get in that space. We, w- we know that it's medicine. We know that it works better than our Marinol. And we want to be able to use cannabis as medicine. This happened like five years ago, about the same time Corey and I were healed. It kind of just went away as things like that always do. So I don't, I'm not 100% convinced that the pharmaceutical companies don't want to glom onto this. I think that there are political reasons that are keeping it from being, you know, widely used. I'm not, I can't quite pinpoint it. I just wouldn't put all the blame on the pharmaceutical companies. Well, I will. So you're off the hook. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> I, I think tell us the difference, uh, if you can, between uh, natural cannabis and sy- synthetic cannabis. Well, you know, you just can't compare. I mean, a plant and, and there's two camps on the indoor outdoor growing also farming also. But you can't compare um, what a plant receives from the sun, from the soil from nutrients and then goes into your body you can't you can't replace the real deal if you have a little bottle of synthetic oregano essence in your kitchen and you have fresh oregano leaf from your garden there's just no comparison to the amount of medicinal compounds in that plant there's no way you can process it and have it be the same I mean, when I was juicing leaf in Humboldt County, I juiced leaf for about three years because of where I was. And it was, you know, people were just throwing bags of it away. It, it was just the best I ever felt in my life. I mean, just juicing the leaf alone, I've done patient profiles where MS patients get off of 23 meds just by juicing the leaf. I mean, it puts a myriad of ailments into remission, just the leaf alone. And people so should realize that you don't get high juicing the leaf. You have to heat. Right. You have to heat. Right. It's all, in, it's all energy. Just juicing the leaf, it's all energy, and it's there's no psychoactive. I mean, I, it depends on what machine you're using. If it, if it heats it up a little bit, you might get some psychoactive. If you're juicing bud, you might get a little psychoactive. Um, but no, just the fan leaves and the leaves, no, it's the most amazing thing. You can't compare nature to something you can synthesize and put into a bottle. Sharon, in conclusion, uh, anything you'd like to tell listeners? Oh, dear. I would just say, please read. Please read. Please look at things. Please um, watch more than what they're telling you on the 6 o'clock news. There's a lot more in the world out there to know about. There's a lot of truth out there that's being hyperbold. <laughs> I would just say, please be open. There's a reason why Corey and I, this has become our calling in life. This isn't something we choose. I think Corey can chime in on this. We didn't choose this. She didn't choose to be up till freaking midnight every night giving out advice for free. Right? <laughs> Thank you, Sharon. No. <laughs> right? And then having people convince because she's not getting back to them soon enough. Uh, yes, 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 yes. You know, so we're in that state. We're in, we're, this is a calling. This is, you know what I feel like it is? And I think Corey can agree. Remember in that movie with Richard Dreyfus where they all saw that mountain and they were all compelled to go there or build it out of clay? 
that's what this is. And now I'm getting full body chills, so that tells me, yes, this is correct. <laughs> well, interesting. I've told this story before. When I uh, interviewed Corey on commercial radio, we used to do it once a month. It was one of the most popular programs that I did. And yep. uh, when I first uh, interviewed Corey, and Corey will confirm this, I knew nothing about uh, right. marijuana, cannabis, getting high. Yeah. Okay. And it's been uh, over the last uh, 11 months, I guess, Corey. It, I guess, yes. It's been a real eye-opening experience. And yes. to talk to people who have had very, very serious in, uh, uh, diseases for themselves and or their children or their loved ones and have them tell the story about how cannabis completely reversed their symptoms and their disease in a matter of weeks. This didn't take years. It was a matter of weeks. It is yeah. a real eye-opening experience for me. Yeah. It's life-changing. It really is life-changing. I mean, there's a reason why we drone on and on. <laughs> yeah, there is. And, you know, you just can't walk away from it. Yeah. You, you can't walk away from people knowing what you know, you and, know not, a, and not tell them. An oncologist... Uh, came up to me once, I, I'm not going to say his name because he's very famous in the cannabis world. He actually does prescribe cannabis with his chemo treatments, I might add. And um, he told me right to my face, he thought I was very irresponsible for telling people that it puts cancer into remission. And I looked right back at him and I said, you know what? I would feel irresponsible if I didn't tell people. Absolutely. Yeah, good for you. Sharon, it was great to talk to you. appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Corey, I love you so much. God bless you and all the good work you do. Oh, thanks, Sharon. I've always got your back. You know that. Thank you. Appreciate it. She's absolutely a fantastic woman. She's very knowledgeable. Extremely knowledgeable, yes. yes. Yeah. And uh, how did you meet her? I think I might have heard an interview of hers. Something about secret garden or something like oh, that. Oh, right. And then I looked her up and sent her a friend request. I think that's how it went. She uh, she's really a convert to cannabis. And, yes, she is. Uh, and like you, she uh, she has experience uh, with a health issue. Yeah, and I think that really that changes you, doesn't it? Oh, it does completely, completely. changes you. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Corey, great program. Uh, let's do it again tomorrow. Sounds great, Ian. Thanks very much for listening, wherever you are in the world. You've been listening to the Cannabis Health Radio podcast. Visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to PodConnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Are you looking for the next great cannabis business to invest in? Then you need to check out the MJ Bulls podcast. Hi, I'm Dan Humston. Join me each week as I speak to both cannabis entrepreneurs who are raising capital and cannabis investors who are investing capital. Our 10-minute episodes are perfect for the busy investor. Start listening to the MJ Bulls podcast today, wherever you listen to podcasts, and who knows? Maybe you'll discover the next cannabis unicorn.